What's up and welcome back to another episode of the Technical Talk Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be taking a look at the Memphis Grizzlies and breaking down their road blues as of late. Anthony Davis returned for the Lakers last night and I'll tell you why this might be the perfect time for both sides to be reunited after that injury. And LeBron's chase of 38,388 points continues all that after the intro welcome back to technical talk you're out of your mind there is no way that lebron will ever be jordan nobody will ever be jordan okay okay lebron's a better rebounder and passer will you let me finish can you can you let me finish call me when lebron has six championships is that your only argument it's the only argument i need sean all right so let's talk memphis Prior to Friday, January 20th, the Grizzlies had put together an 11-game win streak. The loss that came prior to that Friday night against the Lakers hadn't come since November 30th at Minnesota for them. So let's take a look at before the skid. Let's get a sense of their team state because I feel like getting an idea of the past can help project you towards the future so going back to october 19th to now they have an 11 and 13 overall record they average 114.2 points per game on the road they're shooting 46 percent from the floor and around 34 percent from three and only 70.3 percent on the road from the free throw line the rankings among nba teams They're 7th in points per game, 20th in field goal percentage, 21st in three-point percentage, and they're last in road free-throw shooting percentage. The reason that I'm pulling these stats specifically is because it is vitally important for a contending team to at least be 500 on the road. If you want to get technical with it, let's look at the last two NBA champions. The 2021-2022 Warriors record, last year's NBA champions, 22 and 19. The Bucks before them in 2020 and 2021, their road record was 20 and 16. So, taking a look at just the Warriors last year in the playoffs, they were able to pull off multiple road wins. I can cite Western Conference Finals Game 3 off the top of my head in Dallas. They essentially put that series to bed as they pulled up 3 nothing in that series, and the Mavericks couldn't rebound and ended up losing, sending them to the Finals. Then Game 4 in Boston and Game 6, the closeout game in Boston. Those are two crucial, crucial road wins. Because around playoff time, you can argue that road win percentage for a playoff team, especially a team of the Grizzlies caliber that's being tapped to win an NBA championship for some people, it's almost as important as health. I mean, road playoff percentage and just road percentage overall is really important in the playoffs because you're going to need to win on the road. It's vital. But some good things first. 
they're a resilient group. Okay. We know this. We know the grit and grind mentality isn't necessarily broadcasted on the court, but I think mentally that team embraces that Memphis mentality. They're dogs. They really are. Taylor Jenkins has them coached very, very well, especially defensively, especially with Jaron Jackson Jr. He's most likely should win. I don't want to say most likely going to win because you never know when it comes to voting like this, but if you go and look at Jerry Jackson Jr.'s advanced statistics, I mean, it's it's clear in a way. He's the best defender in basketball uh, from a big man perspective. Even better than Rudy Gobert, and that's saying a lot. Also, I, I understand that trips out west for a lot of teams are hard because they're normally extended. You're playing three, four, five, six, even seven games on the road when you go to the west coast. And, you know, it can just be a rough patch. And I'll, I'll give them that. I'm not going to make an excuse and give them that, but I'll give them that. Um, but things like this, they, they show themselves later, and only time will tell. Now, something that goes along with this team is the tenure in the NBA of their players. This goes hand in hand with what I just said about their road percentages because you have to have locker room guys that might not impact your stat sheets every night, but they impact the game in other ways. Think 2020 Jared Dudley, uh, 2019-2020 Lakers, Jared Dudley, bubble. Think of him. Didn't touch the floor at all, but was a voice of leadership outside of LeBron James, outside of Anthony Davis for them, and that paid dividends. But getting back to Memphis, Stephen Stephen Adams behind Danny Green, who hasn't played and is actually slated, I believe, to make his debut when they return home next week, um, at nine years in the NBA with no playoff experience as their longest tenured player. Dylan Brooks behind him five years, and Jaron Jackson Jr. four years. Everyone else has three years or less of cumulative NBA experience. And most of it isn't relevant playoff experience either outside of last year against Golden State, which was a huge, huge motivating factor for this year, I'm sure, and will continue to be as the Grizzlies uh, chase a championship. But you still have to have the guys that are maybe 30, maybe 35, just just as guidance. Guidance is big. Um, and that being said, even Steven Adams is going to miss time. He's going to miss three to five weeks. It was reported yesterday. Sprained PCL. Um, that, that's kind of important defensively. They average 2.2 blocks with their number one lineup with Steven Adams in it. And they also play at their highest defensive plus minus at uh, 2.7. They'll weather the storm. They'll be able to most likely slide Jaron Jackson Jr. over to the five and just go from there. But, you know, I'm curious to see. Once again, only time is going to tell with Memphis. And as everyone else is, I'm extremely excited to see them as we get into the quote-unquote second half of the season after the All-Star break. All right, so now let's recap that Spurs-Lakers game that was played at 1030 last night. So, late Tuesday night after the Lakers lost to the Clippers, 
It was reported by ESPN that AD would return, barring any pregame complications uh, from a foot injury that cost him the last 20 games. And the game also was expected to see the Laker debut of Rui Hachimura after his trade from the Wizards. And luckily, both of those things happened. But first, I just want to update you where we were prior to tip-off last night. The Lakers came in 13th in the West at 22-26 and 26 after that loss Tuesday night to the Clippers. And the Spurs were coming off of a 20-point dismantling by Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers, and they came in at 14-33. and 33. Good enough for 14th in the West, just above the Houston Rockets. Some pregame notes prior to the game that I had just jotted down in my spare time. The Spurs came in 29th in the NBA in road win percentage. They have a 5-16 and 16 record on the road coming in. And the Lakers are 22nd in NBA in home win percentage at 500 or 12 and 12. The Lakers' keys was containing Keldon Johnson. And the five games prior to yesterday, Keldon ranked 28th in the NBA in points per game at 23.2, 13th among forwards in the last five in points, and he also ranked first among the Spurs in usage percentage at 27.8 and first in the percentage of team points on the San Antonio Spurs at 28.5. This let me know that if the Lakers were able to take the ball out of Keldon Johnson's hand, you could eliminate a very, very involved part of the Spurs' offense overall. Excuse me. The second key for the Lakers was making the easy easy and easing AD back into, you know, minutes on an actual NBA floor at game speed. It was only anticipated that he played 20 to 24 minutes. I don't have the final uh, minutes numbers from last night's game, but, you know, I did not want to see the Lakers make an easy game, quote-unquote, because no game in the NBA is easy, I didn't want to see them overly complicate things because I have seen games where they do overcomplicate things and they do have to grind out a game and really work when, you know, they shouldn't. And the last point that I had was rebound, rebound, rebound. The Spurs are sixth and second chance points, and the Lakers allowed the third most opponent second chance points at around 15 per 100 processions. Spurs keys. I had protect the paint. They were dead last in the NBA in paint defense. They allowed 55.7 points in the paint per game. The Lakers are second in points in the paint, generated offensively per game at 56.7. Can you defend? These Spurs are abysmal on defense, like historically bad. They're playing last in defensive rating at 119.9. Might as well chalk that up to 120. And they're dead last in net rating due to that at negative 8.9. Also, post-protection, excuse me, the Lakers were 7th in the NBA in post-touches per 100 possessions at 7.6. They're also 7th in the NBA in post-up percentage at 67.2. 
the previous matchups that they've had, as I mentioned, it was the fourth and final yesterday. So in the three that were played from November 20th to November 26th, <laughs> three games in six days, it's great scheduling. Um, the Lakers averaged 123.7 points per game against the Spurs, 53% from the floor and 39 basically 40 from the three-point arc. November 20th uh, was played in Los Angeles. No LeBron in that. The Lakers won 123-92. to November 25th at San Antonio, the Lakers won 105-90. to And November 26th in San Antonio, no Anthony Davis. LeBron had 39. The Lakers pulled out another win. On to the game summary. The Lakers struggled with early turnovers and missed a few layups and close shots, but they were the definition of needing time to settle. This night, as we all knew, was more about AD and where he truly was and his rehab process, or at least to me, uh, he had a double-double in four blocks. It's safe to say that Anthony Davis is coming back, as Anthony Davis did have a little bit of an injury scare again. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into that he was fine got up jogged off you know let bygones be bygones there um but it was solid you know the lakers are looking up i'm not gonna say that they're gonna be contending at the end of this season um i think that they will either be a play on playing team or they can maybe push their way to a seventh seed or an eighth seed or maybe even a sixth seed i mean two games separate 13 and five if you check the standings, so anything is possible. You know, they're still playing without Austin Reeves. They're still playing without Lonnie Walker the fourth. So, I mean, a glimpse in the future lets you know that the Lakers could, you know, potentially put something together here. You know, with Rui Hachimura, that does add defensive prowess and contested shots. I'll get into that at a later point in a later podcast. And, you know, Thomas Bryant has improved greatly he slotted right into the starting lineup and replaced anthony davis and look at the point production and defense production that he's had he will have to slide back into that bench role but now look at that second unit it gets even stronger you have a resurgent russell westbrook who from an efficiency standpoint is still producing like he was four or five years ago and you know anything is possible it's like i was talking about for the grizzlies anything can happen the west is the craziest division in I mean, conference in the NBA, and, you know, it's LeBron and the Lakers. I'm never going to count them out the same way I'll never count um, a certain quarterback in the NFL out. So, you know, it'll be interesting over the next four months to see how the Lakers progress and where they end up ultimately because, you know, bright lights in L.A., excited to see what they'll do on February 9th. One trade, Rui Hachimura, doesn't seem like enough to push the dial for them, but we'll see. Now let's get to LeBron. LeBron came in on Wednesday just 178 points off of the NBA scoring record of 38,388. An interesting fact, it's taken him only 53,512 minutes to get to that 178-point mark off record. Off the record, took Kareem 57,446 minutes to reach 38. 1,387. When will he pass Kareem? I'm all about giving you guys estimates because this is going to be an amazing night seeing him become the all-time leading scorer. In his last five, he's averaged 31.6 points per game adjusted um, after last night's win. 
if he can continue that, it's safe to say that he'll pass Kareem either February 4th, 7th, or 9th. Um, I do not know who they play the 4th, but I do know that they come back home against the Thunder on February 7th. And then, of course, trade deadline day, February 9th, they're at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. How cool would that be? You get to see LeBron pass Kareem in Crypto.com Arena, all the stars around. So, yeah, I'm excited. Be on the lookout for those games. Those games are rapidly approaching as we wrap up January. And, yeah, I'd just like to thank you once again for listening to this podcast. It's going to get a lot better from here. I promise we'll get a more consistent schedule going. But thank you guys so much again for listening, hanging out. I'll see you this weekend. And last but not least, enjoy.